Hello, this is the Thinkers 50 podcast and I'm Stuart Craner. And I'm Des Dearlove. Our topic today is, we're talking about leadership, but I mean, for a lot of people, the way they experience leadership, it's not as if people set out to become leaders, it's not as if it's a career goal. They just, a lot of us sort of wake up one morning and discover we've been appointed to a leadership position and suddenly have to sort of make it up as we go along. We suddenly become president of the United States and have to, have to deal with it. But I think there is a shock uh, from the CEOs we've worked with and talked to over the years, even though they may have prepared to become CEO, maybe worked for the same organisation, pro- progressed up the, up the hierarchy over a lengthy period, the shock of actually becoming the leader is actually often a substantial one. I know I, I interviewed one CEO who only really realised the responsibility and the nature of the power when he became CEO and he was asked to sign off soon after. He was asked to sign off on a $20 million IT project. And he realised that he knew nothing about the IT project, really. But he had to put his trust in the people who worked with him on it in a way they had never done before, and the numbers were much bigger. And it was at that point the reality of being a CEO really kicked in. So I think the way careers develop is, is interesting and the leaps are often very demanding and sometimes, sometimes perilous. So I think the leadership transitions from general management to senior management, management from there to leadership are really fraught with pitfalls. There's a, there's a fantastic Dilbert cartoon, I'm, I'm sure you've probably seen it, where Dilbert himself suddenly becomes made, is made CEO and he sits there and he says, what am I supposed to actually do? And the answer comes back in the next frame and they say, well, sir, you're supposed to make superficial statements about how good the company is, then hope something lucky happens and profits go up. It's called leadership, sir. I think that, that sort of summarises how a lot, a lot of people probably experience it. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of truth in that. I mean, it was Napoleon said he wanted lucky generals, and luck obviously plays a part in leadership. Uh, the joke, the Dilbert joke about saying superficial statements about how, how good the company is, I mean, there's some truth in that as well, that um, leaders have to be positive and convey positive messages. If they say uh, the company's in trouble and struggling, it will be in trouble and it will struggle even more. So they've got to be relentlessly positive. So I think there is, there is, there is some truth in that. But uh, there's lots of research been done about the, the transitions people experience. Uh, Andrew Nada Kakabadze from the Henley Business School in the UK identified the three critical transitions in executive careers. And the first is being appointed to a general management role. And that's, that's when the individual no longer holds an operational role, which requires functional skills and service delivery. And they move, move beyond that. That's, that's the first transition. The, the next transition occurs when a high-performing general manager is appointed to a top team role. This is how uh, Andrew and Nada explain this leap. At this level, the demand is for a higher order level of intellect in order to design value-adding strategy within dynamic market conditions while displaying sensitive stakeholder engagement skills. So the ante is upped. The, The final transition is when a successful CEO or senior vice president is offered a position on the board. And the key development here is from taking charge and driving strategy forward to scrutinising strategy and the sensitive facilitation of relationships. So those are the, the three stages the Kakabadze research identifies. Well, somebody else who's done research in this area is Linda Hill of Harvard Business School. 
and she looked particularly about people moving into leadership positions, especially high potential talent moving into those roles for the first time. Um, and what she observed was the challenge of that first leadership position becoming ever more difficult. And she says, one of the reasons people find the tr transition challenging is because of a number of misconceptions they have about the role. So new leaders assume that they will have a lot of authority and power and be able to exercise that freely. In fact, they often find that they are constrained because of all the connections and relationships that they need to deal with in order to do their job as leader. So the sooner they learn to manage those network relationships, the sooner they will get to grips with the new role as the leader. Yeah, I mean, I think the people we've spoken to over the years echo what, what Linda says. Leaders often feel powerless, which is, I suppose, is a paradoxical situ situation. And sometimes, indeed, they are fairly powerless. Uh, we've worked with CEOs where the CEO has talked bravely and publicly about instigating change and, and no change has happened because the organisation has been pretty pretty well ignoring the what the CEO wanted to happen. So I think CEOs often feel powerless and sometimes they are powerless. Leadership is not power. Well, of course, the, the kind of the ultimate um, example of that is, is you, know, you can be the it's seemingly the most powerful man in the world or woman in the world. You can be the president of the United States of America, and yet look at look at how the t the hands are tied by by um, a gridlock Congress or by other people and other factors. So even if you're the president, you can't just get on with it and do what you want to do. So what what we're saying is leadership isn't power. Yeah, I think another myth is that authority naturally flows from the leadership position. That leadership is a matter of hierarchy and 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 job title. Uh, I mean, I think we all know from our everyday lives when we encounter people who are exercising leadership but whose job title doesn't mention leadership and they're not in leadership roles. Equally, we've encountered, I'm sure all of us, people who are in leadership roles who are not exercising leadership. So leadership is not power necessarily and leadership is not tied to hierarchy and status. So it makes you wonder what it is. Well, I, I referenced the research by Linda Hill earlier, and um, Linda's conclusion was that the new leader needs to demonstrate character, the intention to do the right thing, and competence in their new role, which does not have to be technical prowess, but might as easily be willingness to ask questions and to listen. I think that's, that's a very, I think we've, we've both experienced that talking to successful leaders. This, this ability to ask questions, very powerful. Yeah, I mean, I think Hal Gregerson's work at um, MIT is all about the ability of leaders to, act, to ask catalytic questions, questions that take individuals in the organisation from, from one state to, to another. And it, it's very notable, the, the leaders we've encountered, the ones who are good at listening and asking questions. And often, they're simply not very good at it. Well, it's interesting. I think, again, one of those early mistakes that there's a tendency when you first step into a leadership position to want to stamp your authority on, on the situation. Um, and and that often that is the biggest mistake you can make. And that's why people don't want to ask the questions, because they want to seem um, all-knowing as if they have the answers, because they think that's what legitimises them as the leader. And in fact, it's quite the opposite. It's the ability to ask the naive questions. It's the ability and the willingness to learn from other people that makes all the difference. I remember talking to um, the late 
Warren Bennis, the management and leadership guru. And he said, you know, that, that's, that's the, the chief thing that he would look for in a leader. If he was looking for one aspect, it was their ability to learn and their ability to ask questions. So I think that's very important. I think the, the thing there is that silence is often seen as a weakness, that people are, are looking to the leader to fill the silence. And in fact, in many situations, the leader should be creating silence, the silence of contemplation to think about things. And I think, the, as we've said, when you take over a leadership role, the natural inclination is to, to act, to do things. But often that's the wrong thing to do. The best thing to do is to connect with people, to ask questions, to communicate, to think, to listen, crucially. I think that we're beginning to see some signs that, that that's gaining some some currency um, in the in the kind of the leadership literature and in the leadership development world. But I think it's really important for people who are who are stepping into their first leadership role or or taking the next step, making one of those transitions you referred to earlier, that that they don't need to know all the answers. That that not knowing is okay, and that takes that takes courage, and it takes people who are in leadership positions to say it so that people, people are given permission to take on the leadership role and to, and to be able to say to their followers, I don't have all the answers. But in order to move into the unknown, in order to move on and to be a proper leader, I think you have to, you have to move forward without necessarily having all the answers at your disposal. So this, this sense of questioning the future and being prepared and being brave enough to take the step anyway is, um, is, goes right to the heart of being a leader. So silence really is golden. Can be. Thank you for listening. This was the Thinkers 50 podcast. Thinkers 50 podcasts are produced by KDH Creative.